C.L. Whiteside. That's me. And this is the Non-Microwave Truth. If this is your first time joining us today, you're probably wondering, why is this podcast called the Non-Microwave Truth? And that's just playing off that microwave thing. Microwaves are there to make life easy and convenient and just pop something in there and heat it up. But everything isn't meant to be thrown in a microwave. And truth is one of those things. And whenever you join us on this podcast, our goal, my focus is to give you the non-microwave truth. And I just want to share something that I found fascinating that someone put me on or kind of told me about. One of our first world problems was what fruit do you think Adam and Eve ate from? Like what if you had to guess, what do you think that fruit was? And someone gave a guess of a fruit that I had never heard of. And I thought it was pretty cool. And he explained to me why. And that fruit was called a, I think it's pronounced Kensei. I don't know. My pronunciation could be off, but um, I'll spell it for you. So you could also Google it too. It's Q-U-I-N-C-E. And this, this fruit might look like an apple or look like a pear. And I hold up. I actually think it's pronounced Quinn's. Something like that, but just Google it. Um, but yeah, it's a fruit that looks like a pear or like an apple. But if you were to bite it, I guess it's a little bitter or it can be a little sour at times. But when it really gets its best form is when it's actually cooked. And it's supposed to be um, sweet and give off a great fragrance. So I could I could definitely see that being the forbidden fruit from the standpoint of they have their eye on this fruit and they just can't wait to try it. And then they are highly disappointed. Like, this isn't even good. Why did we do this? Like, why? This was so stupid. This fruit is disappointing. But hey, who knows? Good discussion, all right? Here is our first world problem today. You walk into a church and you see an ATM or a bunch of posters with Cash App or Venmo or 1-800-GIVE-TO-THIS-CHURCH. What are you thinking? Is that so much of a turnoff that you're walking out right away? Is that so much of a turnoff that you are not listening to the sermon or giving that church a chance? Like, tell me your real thought process with that. What are you thinking? I know I've been in a couple huge churches because I like to go church hopping from time to time. An ATM would be a lot. But the 1-800-GIVE or the Venmo or the Cash App posters, I think I could deal with that. I think I could actually even deal with the ATM, especially if the pastor, I heard that the pastor was super good and talented. I could deal with it. But what about you? This is our first world problem today. Could you deal with an ATM and posters for Cash App, Venmo, 1-800-GIVE, an app talking about giving? Or is that too much for you? And let me know your why behind it, too. Instagram or Twitter, Champion Life 23. I definitely want to hear from you on this one. Is that too much? Or is that something you could deal with if you got to know the pastor and saw that he or she was great at what they did and the church wasn't just about taking your money. And this is our first world problem today. It's dinner time. We're going to continue with that theme of talking about money. Money, 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 money. And we kind of got into this a little bit in our first world problem today. 
but we're going to look at money and how that plays a factor on the church and us. And the title of this episode is Reverend Dollar Bill. Reverend Dollar Bill. Doesn't that sound like some pastor of some big mega church in Las Vegas or some big city? This episode was inspired because of how many people say they do not mess with the church or want to go to the church because all the church wants is your money. And then on top of that, the comedians and different people in the entertainment world who have a field day mocking and making fun of pastors. The latest I saw was Jamie Foxx. And you know Jamie Foxx is just talented, man. I mean, he played as Wanda any given Sunday. He can do the Mike Tyson voice. He can do the Jay-Z voice. But he has a show called Dad Don't Embarrass Me. And Jamie Foxx was just clowning. He created this character called Reverend Sweet Tea. And in this episode, he has Reverend Sweet Tea almost come out to the church with like some LeBron James entrance. And Jamie Foxx was acting a fool. He had it where the pastor was asking for offerings and, and gifts. And he was saying, we'll take it through Cash App, Venmo. We even do Foot Locker gift cards. I mean, he just went on. He even had a rant where he was like, why can't I have a yacht? I said, Lord, why can't I have a yacht? And this just reminded me how many people are turned off by the church because they feel like the church only wants their money and doesn't care about their spiritual well-being. Now, the non-microwave truth and the fact of the matter is the Bible talks a ton about money. It's over 500 times that the Bible mentions money or possessions, you know, gold, silver. And it's just that's what the Bible talks about a lot. The Bible talks about investing. It talks about warning against debt. The Bible talks about how you should lend and how you should act if you're a borrower. The Bible talks about giving to the poor. I mean, it even talks about if you give, don't just give to get praised and say, oh, look at me. I'm so awesome. The Bible talks about not getting enamored by more. I got to have more. I got to have more. So if the Bible and Jesus specifically talk this much about money, how in the world can a church and a pastor not talk about money? I just think about that. The Bible mentions it this many times. Jesus mentions it this many times. How can a pastor not talk about it? And just think about this. How many of you have a desire to be wealthy or to be rich? Like, think about that. Do you have a desire to be rich? Do you have a desire, maybe I should say, to be wealthy? I got to admit this to y'all. Knowing what I know now, I would have been afraid if my younger self was rich or famous. And that's just because I see that money really can make you blind to spiritual needs. I say that again. Money can make you blind to what you spiritually need. And the most important thing is our spiritual well-being. And the non-microwave truth is this. More money, more problems. Notorious B.I.G. said that and he was onto something. Now, I know some people say, I got problems being broke, so I might as well have some problems and actually have some money. So give me those problems of the rich folks. And I understand and I get that. But in regardless in either one of those positions, there's a common theme, though, especially when you have that mentality. 
And the common theme is that broke people and rich people is greed. Like you're overly concerned about this life. Now, I don't want to say the benefit, but one of the things that with being broke sometimes or not having the money like you really want is that you have less options. And in some cases, it's easier to give or to sacrifice because you like, I don't have a lot anyways. And the percentage of what you give is so much higher for what you actually have. And it's just easier to understand. Like if I lose $5, I can easily get $5 back. But if I lose $5 million, I probably can't get that back. So when I talked about being afraid or not knowing if I could handle being rich and famous when I was younger, I guess I'm saying it like I can handle it now. Like, go ahead, Lord, make me a little rich. I'm just kidding. Well, unless he's going to do it. But um, this, this passage sticks out to me, and this is from Luke. And this is Jesus talking, and he says, Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel. He said a camel. You know, the camel with the humps. To go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And that's just, that's mind-blowing. Like, when you become rich, your God all of a sudden becomes money and your possessions. And you want to hold on to that. And the only life you get consumed with is, is this life. And this was never more apparent than I was talking to a student who was from a different country. And I just asked her, I said, what, what do your parents believe in? She's like, uh, nothing. And I was like, what do you mean nothing? Like, like they don't believe in God. And I said, okay. She said, well, oh, I don't. She says money. Money is their God. And she wasn't saying this to be funny or be facetious. She was dead serious. Like she could easily identify that money was the greatest thing in their world. It was the number one priority in their world. But a lot of times when we get money or when money, we are just like, I need it. I can't survive without it. I got to have it. And there's some truth to that. But at the end of the day, it's our master. And we are in denial of that. And this makes me think of the rich young ruler that interacted with Jesus and was like, hey, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to get eternal life? And you should definitely check this out. This is in Matthew 19, verse 16 to 23. It's also in Mark 10, verse 17 to 22 and Luke 18, verse 18 to 23. And he pretty much comes up to Jesus and is like, hey, what do I need to do to be saved? What do I do, need to do to get eternal life? And Jesus lists off a, a bunch of different commandments and says, hey, have you followed all these? And the rich young ruler is like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I followed all of those. I'm good. Like, I'm, I'm good. And then Jesus hits him with this because he knew what was really holding this man back and what really was this man's God. And Jesus said to him, go sell all your possessions and come follow me. And I'm guessing that rich young ruler was like, huh? Come again? You said what? You want me to say? Whoa. Okay. I said I want to be saved. I don't want to be broke. I want to have eternal life, but I don't want to be broke. Like I I said, I want to be saved. Like what does that have to do with anything? Me selling everything that I've worked for and I've earned? Yeah. I, 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 this, this Jesus thing? Nah, that's not for me. I can't do it. I can't do it. Like, yeah, this is too much. And that's just so real because we're oftentimes in a battle of, of serving two masters. Like you can't serve God and money, but we all try. I mean, we're all guilty of it. I'm guilty of it. And that's why the, the rich young ruler, he went away sorrowful because he had too much. He had too much that he thought he could lose. 
and he didn't really think about what he could gain with Jesus Christ. And then this is really telling for us church folks. We really think that we can be obedient to God, and that means we can be selfish with our money and our possessions. Like, like can you really be obedient and be uh, a hoarder or a person who has money and possessions? And be like, they're all mine. I got to keep them. I can't give them away. I can't give them away. Is that really being obedient to God? But that's the trick that we play in our head. This is the mentality that all of us have, though. When the church starts talking about giving money, we have the exact same mentality, especially people that are new to the church. When they hear the church say give money, we're automatically like, whoa. Uh-uh. And we like the pastor is not about to get rich off of me. Like, nah, I know the game. And we all can admit that the Bible tells us how to use money. It tells us how to invest. It tells us how to share it and it tells us how to please God with it. And we can listen to that. We can acknowledge that that's that's good information to have. But this is the big beef and the big hold up. What if your pastor or when it seems like your pastor has money and possessions? Because we want to we want our pastors and spiritual leaders to be like Jesus and his approach. Jesus appeared to be broke. He didn't worry about money, but he definitely did talk a lot about money. Or we want to be like Moses, where they went from riches to rags. Notice I didn't say rags to riches. I said riches to rags. So Moses went from living in a kingdom to living among the common folks. So we pretty much want our pastor to be broke. And I have served as the, the church treasurer in my church. I mean, I had. I don't do that anymore. It was too much. But it was eye-opening. It was eye-opening to see the, the different expenses that a church has and that there's actually a need for money. Like, my pastor is not rich at all. In fact, I would wish we could pay him more. But I can't deny the fact that if you are in a church where the pastor says something like, for twenty nine ninety nine, we will forgive your sins, wrap you in the grace of the Lord, and send you home blessed and prosperous and new. Or if they have a hotline, a prayer line that costs five ninety nine and is one eight hundred three 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 God G A W D that sounds like a fake church. And when I say fake church, I mean like the church does seem to be only after your money because you can't buy forgiveness or you can't buy salvation. Those aren't things you can't buy. Thank God that that's free, free, free 99, baby. But what do you do when you hear this? Give to the church and God will give to you. Hopefully the pastor breaks it down and you automatically aren't thinking I gave a hundred dollars to the church. God better bless me with a thousand back. No, like it's more like you're going to receive different blessings and blessings can come in a lot of different shapes and forms. It can come in peace. It can come in contentment. It can come in joy and happiness. It can, can come in. You built a relationship with a person that you were able to bless through your, your gift that you gave to the church. The microwave truth is you give a hundred and you get a thousand back, but that's probably not the case. It could happen, but it's probably not the case. And when you look at big churches or mega churches, why do so many people feel like they know the pastor's pocket and his budget and where he got the money from and how he spent it? It's like you don't even know this man. What's your source? Like, where are you getting this information from? Yeah, I just heard that the pastor bought a whole new house. He stole the offering from his members and just built a new house. Yep, that's what I heard. Something that sticks out to me. And I guess you can look at Charles Stanley, who 
who I guess could be considered a mega church. And he was just talking about how he wanted to buy this car. Like he really wanted to buy this car, but he, he talked to God about it. And God was like, don't get that car. He's like, but I want that car. And he listened to God and God said, don't get that car. And he didn't do it. And then all of a sudden, someone blessed him and gave him a car. Now, if you didn't know him, you would automatically, people could automatically assume like, look, he, he took the church's money and he bought himself a beautiful car. When in reality, someone gave him that car. So people really, a lot of times, don't know where the money or the possessions come from. A lot of pastors are hustlers, too. And I don't mean bad hustlers. I mean, like, the good type of hustling, where they're investing their money. They have it in the stock market or they have rental properties. They have a side business or they literally have another job. And when you start thinking about those big churches or those mega churches, a lot of those pastors write books. And with books come speaking engagements. When you're a big time author, you can get at least $20,000 every time you go speak. Some of them get up to $50,000, dollars $70,000. That's money that has nothing to do with the church. But regardless, this is why it's so important to get to know the pastor, get to know the spiritual leaders in that church, get to know the members of that church so you can see what happens behind closed doors and how they really operate, how they really are using the money. A lot of churches, especially when they're doing right, have no problem telling you how the money is getting spent and how it's being used. And in the same light, if you get to know the pastor, he's not going to have a problem sharing that information with you, too, and sharing how God has been faithful and blessed him in a different space. But let's say you do examine a church and you find a shady member. You can't base an entire ministry off of one person who has slipped up or who has messed up. And why I say that is if you looked at Jesus's ministry, Judas was someone who was stealing from the church. And for those who aren't familiar with Judas, Judas is one of Jesus's 12 disciples. So that means he was one of the closest people to Jesus who saw Jesus on a consistent basis. He was still tempted by money. He still loved money more than he loved Jesus. Now, if you find the leader of this church is crooked and stealing money, you should run and go the opposite way. You can't have the leader of the church stealing and being crooked. Now, this is a question I have to pose, though. What's too much? Like, what is too much for you? Is it too much for T.D. Jakes, who is a pastor, to be a millionaire? Or is it too much for Kenneth Copeland to have private jets and yachts and a huge mansion? I don't know, though. That's a slippery slope to me because people are always wondering what you're doing with your money. And as the leader of the church, you have to practice what you preach. So if you talk about giving to the homeless and giving to people, how much should you give with all that you have? And that's just tough. Like I, that is very tough to say. And that's where sometimes we want to judge people's heart and judge people's intention. But you got to lead that up to God. Now, to bring home the point on this episode of Reverend Dollar Bill, I wanted to look at the parable of the rich fool. If you wanted to check this out, this is from Luke 12, verse 13 to 21. And this is when someone in the crowd says to Jesus, he says, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And I automatically just thought, like, have you ever seen close friends or family members argue over money or possessions? Yeah, that can get real ugly, like real ugly, real fast. And I just had to think, is this the little brother who wasn't supposed to get the same size portion of inheritance? 
And I was just thinking, like, what is his motive for wanting this inheritance? I know most of you are familiar with the prodigal son who took his money. He took his part of his inheritance and he went and went buck wild. He went to Las Vegas, spent it on strippers, the casino, everything, and ended up with the pigs. He lost it all. Now, what I find interesting with how Jesus responds to this, Jesus is like, why? Like, why should I be the judge between you two when he asks him these questions on how he should divide the inheritance? And this is real for us with the church because we're constantly thinking about, like, how much money should I give? Like, why should I give? And Jesus sets it off when he says this to him. He says, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And that talks to every single one of us because all of us get greedy at times. And this is when Jesus goes on to tell a parable. And what he says is he says the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. And the rich man thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. So think about this. He had a harvest. He had so much that he didn't even have a place to put it. He doesn't think about giving it to people that are in need. This is how he responds. This is what he says. He says, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And then I will store my surplus grain. And he said, I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink and be merry. My man was trying to retire early, early. And if you look at it, when he had so much, what did he automatically think? I'm just going to build bigger barns. I'm just going to hold on to more. I'm just going to make life easier for myself. There was nothing like, hey, I want to give to the needy. I want to give to the people who actually need this. It was just all about himself. And when you think about the harvest, he act like the harvest really depended on him. Like he couldn't he, he had it was so many things he didn't have control over. Like he didn't have control over his health and strength. He didn't have control over the weather. He didn't even have control over the bugs. And he thought in his mind that he did everything. But just look at what God says to him, though, with this mentality. And God just putting everything in a perspective. He says, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Breaking news. You can't die and take it with you. When you die, none of this stuff matters. Now, I know sometimes people are like, I want to leave it with my family. But even when you're dead, you aren't concerned about people of this world anymore. And Jesus warns them that the outcome being for people who are not rich towards God is this. He says, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. Now, think about this and be honest with yourself. You got to be honest with yourself. Have you ever said, I want to get more so I can give more to God? Nah, probably not. Usually this is how it is. Like, I want more so I can get a car. I want more so I can get a bigger house. I want more so I can get better shoes or more shoes. I want more so I can get a Manny and a Petty. I'm not talking about me, but if you're a man and you get a Manny or a Petty, that's you. Do what you do. I, I do love my massages. Shout out to Caribbean Touch. But you get my point. We usually want more money to get more stuff, bigger stuff, better stuff, the finer things in life. It's usually not to get more so that we can give more and bless more people. So when you hear pastors talk about money, just realize that most church, most churches do need it. So listen to how they say they're using it, because they usually will tell you. Now, you have to realize this. 
The money and possessions that we have, they're not ours in the first place. We are a steward for God. And how many of us do this? We use our fear of the church using the money in a bad way to hide our greediness. I got to repeat that again. We use our fear of the church using the money in a bad way to hide our greediness. Is this you? Now, if you don't know where to start, like how much to give, tithing is a great practice. That means you give 10% of whatever you make. And I know people are like, give what you're comfortable with. But to be honest with you, a lot of us aren't comfortable giving anything. So you have to start in a place where it's it's not comfortable or it's uncomfortable, period, because otherwise you're not going to start it off. That's the non-microwave truth. And don't let this be a deterrent to you joining or going to a church. And I'm definitely going to have to have an episode about, you know, being a taker, just being a taker. And what's the purpose of a church? But not here, not now. I do want to leave you with three big takeaways on our episode of Reverend Dollar Bill today. And the first one is this. If a pastor is ever talking about paying for forgiveness of sins or salvation or blessings, get out of there. Point blank, period. The second one is this. It is impossible for a church to not talk about money and giving. But give it some time. And if you feel attacked, that's not necessarily a bad thing. That's not even necessarily the church. It could be the Holy Spirit convicting you. So pray about it. Don't necessarily run from it. And the last point is this. Just remember, we are stewards. Everything we have is from God. Don't get consumed with blessing yourself. Find ways to bless others. And folks, this is the non-microwave truth. A time of grace production. And definitely, definitely hit me up. Champion Life 23, Instagram or Twitter. Peace Punch, Captain Crunch, to know the drugs and yes to Jesus. I'm out. <laughs>